Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesale and Electrical Marketing with the December 19th edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's podcast, we'll take a look at some of the large new construction projects making news this month and discuss a growing trend in the electrical market's merger and acquisition activity, and that's rep mergers. We'll also take a look at some weekly economic indicators that can give you a sense of where the U.S. economy and the electrical market may be headed in the near future. These five weekly indicators are initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rate count, oil prices, and copper prices. You'll notice that some of the data is for the week ending December the 3rd. Because of some upcoming travel, I had to use this data rather than the week of the 12th previous to the podcast. We'll get back to our regular data schedule in January. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring our today's Electrical Economy podcast series for 2022. For the week ending December the 3rd, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial unemployment claims was 230,000. That's an increase of 4,000 from the previous week's revised level. For the four-week moving average, we have 230,000. That's also an increase of 1,000 from the previous week's revised average. The previous week's average was up, revised up by 250 from 228,750 to 229,000. The total unemployment rate for the U.S. nationally is 3.7%, and that data is from November. I noticed a pretty significant uptick in unemployment claims at the state level, and that's something we're going to have to watch pretty closely. Only seven states had decreases in unemployment claims through the week of December the 3rd of less than 100. Those states with the reduction in claims are Tennessee, down 46 claims. New Hampshire was down 43 claims. Rhode Island, down 52 claims. Mississippi, down 63 claims. District of Columbia, down 66 claims. Vermont, down 95 claims. And New Mexico, down 98 claims. The increase in the weekly unemployment claims at the state level is even more glaring in this slide. 10 states had increases in unemployment claims topping 2,000, and 22 states had claims topping 1,000 for the week ending of December the 3rd. The states with the claims topping 2,000 were California, up 16,057, New York, up 9,162, Texas, up 7,904, Georgia, up 7,576, Illinois, up 5,148, Pennsylvania, up 3,150, Washington up 2,619, Indiana up 2,574, Ohio up 2,207, and New Jersey up 2,076. One of the more interesting leading economic indicators for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic. It's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR. It publishes this data weekly at www.aar.org. Total U.S. weekly rail traffic for the week ending December the 3rd was 495,472 carloads and intermodal units. That's down 6% compared with the same week last year. These figures do incorporate the recent Thanksgiving holiday, and that is historically one of the slowest times of the year for freight rail traffic. John Gray, the senior vice president for AAR, said in the press release that the Thanksgiving week is one of our lowest volume weeks of the year for rail traffic. That means November rail volumes frequently do not demonstrate underlying sequential trends. As has been the case for months, some sectors continue to show strength, while others are facing headwinds. 
For example, relatively slow lumber corridors are consistent with the weak market for new home construction. Conversely, railhold motor vehicles and vehicle part volumes have been rising as automakers have been increasing their output thanks to greater parts availability. Recent trends continue for individual freight categories in the December 3rd data, with more categories in the red than in the green. Most changes week to week were fractional. Non-metallic mineral was up up the most at 4.1% year over year, followed by coal steady at 3.4%. Farm products, excluding grain and food, is up 3.1%, and motor vehicles and parts were up 3.2% year over year. Petroleum and petroleum products declined 8.2%. Metallic waters and minerals are down 6.9%, and those were our two big decliners. If you track the oil market, you're probably familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count. This tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and gas deposits in the United States. It gives you a good sense of just how many of these oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma, and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. This slide shows you the drilling activity both on the national, state, and basin basis. The total rig count for the United States is 760 operating rigs, and that is up 204 rigs, and which is a 32% increase from this time last year. It, it is down four rigs from the previous report. With 370 active rigs, Texas is the nation's largest oil market, and it showed its biggest increase with, more, with 98 more rigs operating now than at this time last year. With 64 more rigs operating now than last year, the Permian Basin accounted for a big chunk of this increase. New Mexico had an increase of two rigs in the latest data and is the only state besides Texas with more than 100 rigs operating. It has 106 rigs operating, which is 16 more than last year. For West Texas, intermediate crude oil are currently at their lowest point of the year. They haven't spent any time in the $70 per barrel range since early January, but they have been at that level over the past week. Economists like to call copper pricing Dr. Copper because it's a leading economic indicator for future economic activity because it's used in so many industries. The construction industry is among the leading markets for copper because of its use in wiring cable and copper plumbing pipe. And copper prices are making move out of the $3.60 range and are pushing into the 380s. When you look at the COMEX copper pricing chart over the past year, you see three distinct scenarios. First, the move in the first quarter from $4.30 a pound to $4.90 a pound, and that was about at the time of the in Russia's invasion of, Ukraine, of the Ukraine. After that, it eventually did dramatically decline to the $3.20 range. And since July, we've seen a period of relative calm from around August through November, when prices have settled to a fairly tight band from $3.50 to $3.80. We found quite a few new construction projects in the design phase in the Construct Connect data and in some other news reports that I thought it would be a good time to highlight some of these projects with you. The biggest new project is the new EV battery plant that will be built in Bartow County, Georgia by Hyundai Motor Corp and SNK. Total construction value for this project will be between $4 billion and $5 billion. Another big battery plant that will be built in the southeast is the $810 million facility recently announced by Envision AESC. And that's going to be supplying BMW South Carolina electric vehicle plant. Other interesting projects of note, the largest of the projects, the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, New York, is going to be, going to be building a $5 million, excuse me, $5 billion plant in, uh, in Rochester. And that's in the pre-designed phase according to Construct Connect. Uh, 
Also, the Construct Connect reported on four data centers in the billion-dollar range. So they're in the design phase. Virginia's Sandy Stone, Manassas, and Leesburg, and also in Niagara Falls. Another big project that was just made the news in New York's blog called NewYorkYimby.com, and that is the Metro North Penn Station Access Project. They had a ceremonial groundbreaking. It's going to start construction in 2024, but that project is going to be about three point one eight million, uh, excuse me, billion dollars. So that's a big mass transit project, and those mass transit projects use a ton of equipment. Uh, there were some big government office projects, one in uh, the Sacramento area, and that's going to be a replacement of the existing California State Capitol Annex, and that is that comes in at about $756 million, according to that Construct Connect data. And the city of Topeka has a 10-year capital improvement plan. In total, will be $818 million. And that's public offices in the pre-design phase, according to Construct Connect. And that will be in Topeka, Kansas. Electrical wholesaling and electrical marketing provide regular reports on distributor merger and acquisitions. Over the past year, we've seen quite a few mergers in the rep world as well. Independent manufacturers reps are now using M&As to expand to adjacent territories. And many, but not all of these mergers and acquisitions, they're expanding the coverage for the, their existing manufacturers and these lines into the new territories. Let's take a look at some of these mergers. This chart shows you the rep mergers that electrical marketing and electrical wholesaling have reported on over the past year, as well as some other rep mergers going back a few years. The Convergence Partners, based out of Kansas City, uh, recently merged with Integrated Sales out of La Vista, Nebraska, and Lighting Solutions out of Brad Meter, Iowa. And they're going to be combining all their lighting packages. They're both all are very big players in the lighting market in the upper Midwest. Uh, we also had a big one with uh, Ewing Foley, which has uh, made a few other acquisitions over the years, but they bought the Ryle Group in Denver, Colorado. Uh, going back a few years, they had also purchased EDG Grips out of Phoenix, Arizona, and the Electric Group out of Sacramento back in 2011. J.D. Martin's been active also this year with their mergers, and they've merged with Integrated Component Sales out of Winter Park, Florida, and iPro out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, going back a couple of years, they had also purchased the Shell Company out of Mandeville, uh, Louisiana, and that was a merger for their uh, uh, in the Midwest, or you could see Indianapolis, you can see that Lester Sales made two big mergers with the approach, with the merger of Cardell Christ out of Scotts Depot, West Virginia, and also at uh, the Peocelli, Peocelli uh, One Source Associates, certain assets of their West Pennsylvania and West Virginia operations. Uh, Sesco Lighting has made a number of acquisitions over the years. That's a, I'm pretty sure it's the largest of the, the lighting agents, particularly in the uh, spec lighting area. But they did make a purchase again this year, WHOCO Lighting and Controls out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, they have also, uh, last year, they bought the Schneider Company, not the manufacturer Schneider, the Schneider Company out of Greenville, South Carolina, uh, 2020. They bought the Marvin Bachner Company out of Miami, and 2017, G2 Lighting. So this is going to be something that we'll be reporting on, and we will be covering actually in an article in Electrical Wholesaling this uh, January, February print issue, which will be coming and hitting the street in early February. A special thanks again to the folks from Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Economy podcast series in 2022. They'll be sponsoring it again next year in 2023. So I, I really enjoyed working with Champion on this project. And uh, gosh, it's hard to believe we did another 24 pro uh, podcasts for them in uh, this past year. But it's it's been a lot of fun and we do appreciate their support. Please do contact me if you have any questions on any of the data we've discussed in this podcast or any of the podcasts as we're putting them together. 
Our next presentation is going to be on Monday, January the 9th of 2023. So hope you all have a great holiday season. Hope you had a chance to spend some time with family and friends and uh, power down for a little bit and enjoy a little relaxation as well. I look forward to talking with you in a couple of weeks.